Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. And, and we have a special guest coming on today. It's been a while since we've had a guest. That's right. We're very selective Summer. when it comes to yeah. guests. So Yeah, so it's going to be good. What's the title here we came up with? The brain science behind dot, dot, dot. That's Pers- all I see on yeah. my end. <laughs> Persuasion and selling mastery. So we're going to be getting into our guests today. They do a lot of, um, uh, you know, science behind, maybe like uh, some of the neuroscience behind making decisions and selling and all that stuff. So... Sounds like a smart guy. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll talk to him about that. But he's he's going to uh, share with us. We're going to be talking a little bit of cold email, uh, cold email marketing, um, and uh, maybe he can critique some of our uh, some of our samples that we. Have. Yeah, we're going to do some live critiquing today. That'll be fun. That's so he's probably more of a Georgia Tech guy than a Georgia guy. I mean, <laughs> if I was guessing, you know, with all these, sounds very smart. Yep. So we'll find out where maybe where he went to school too, but. Sounds like a plan. Probably not University of Georgia, I'm guessing. So should we go ahead? Should we bring him in? He does have a he does have a beverage of some sort. Let's bring him in. He has a coffee beverage. So we'd like to welcome our guest, Isaiah McPeak. Yeah, I've got my uh, my drinking ally. Oh my god! Texas brewing pint glass. So um, it's just. It's still coffee time because it's 2 p.m. Central. You know what I'm saying? Well, I am just down the road from you, Isaiah, and I am having a <laughs> quadruple ale. So Ooh, that sounds awesome. It's Friday. So Sean says, I don't give right? a damn. I'm yeah. going to start at noon. So. I'm a freelancer. <laughs> I chose this lifestyle for a reason. This is one of those reasons. But you're up in Georgetown, right? Yeah. Yeah. So about 30 that. Minutes, 40 minutes north of Austin. Yeah. I'm in Lakewood. I'm yeah, in Lakeway, Texas. Nice. Oh, that's that's like the Caribbean slash Mediterranean of Texas. It's so weird. Like you wouldn't believe it's in Texas until you actually walk yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> it's looking the Lake Travis is looking closer to the Sahara at the moment than than you know, the Mediterranean because it's it's getting drier by the day. Drying. Yeah, up. yeah. Lake Georgetown's the same way. The uh, cliff jumping spot is more like you it, it, you need a motorcycle to get far enough out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's starting to turn into a, a daredevil instead of just some to do for fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's cool. So, well, I'm glad it's good to know you. We'll have to like maybe meet up for coffee or something someday. Awesome. Since you're obviously into coffee. Well, so brass, tell tap, us, brass tap. We can make that transition around two thirty p.m. You know. Yes. Coffee. <laughs> go to beer. There you go. So, what do you when you're when you're having a beverage? What do you, what is your go to? Okay, so I tend to like the real dark stuff. Okay. Um, awesome. So. In the right place. Um, yeah. Quadruple sounds just perfect. I just had one uh, the other day. Yeah. I lived in Belgium for a few years. And so cool. I got spoiled and uh, I was raised by a, um, an army uh, officer who lived life by the philosophy. Uh, life's too drink. That sucked. Life's too short uh, to drink cheap beer, which I only discovered when I was maybe 26 or 27. <laughs> Wait a second. You took that from the Vorsteiner beer ad. What? <laughs> I thought this was like your signature phrase, dad. Uh, <laughs> I've been my life around this. Yeah. Great artist. Steel. Like that. That's the, yes. uh, so he, you can compliment him still. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if you, if, if I can pick my best favorite beer right now in the world, it's the dogfish head, Mm. Their uh, iteration on Raison d'Etre, I don't know if you remember that, they, they canceled that, but it's called Raison d'Extra. And it's like 18%, you can oh. stick a fork in it. Wow. Oh, so good. Yes. That is yeah. higher than anything we've ever had on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, got to rise tap and try it then. Oh, is that up there in Georgetown? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's, uh, it's in South Round Rock. Okay. Right. Yeah. I will have to do that for sure. All right. Well, um, what's John, the highest we have- we've done, Sean? 14%. Uh, that one that we have from Tufts Brewery was um, like 16. 16. Okay. That's right. And it tastes like cough syrup. Yeah. 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 They get syrupy <laughs> and ready up there, don't they? Yeah. It's like I could yeah. pour this in something and bake it probably. Yeah. yeah it's almost a liqueur at that point. <laughs> so, but all right. Well, Jonathan, what you got over on your end? Uh, so I'm following up with a um, three Floyds because I had, you know, last week I gave their. Um, it was their zombie 
the zombie ale that I had was pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I gave it a pretty good rating. So I thought I'd follow up. They've got another one called Barbarian Haze uh, IPA. Oh, yeah. So uh, looks like an angry guy on that can. Yep. So this is a, um, I think it's six and let's see, let's see, 6.5, 6.5. It says, at uh, at long last, we bring you our take on the hazy, this is a hazy IPA. It's no secret that most of our portfolio is hop forward, flavorful, unfiltered with barbarian haze. We took the hopping protocol a bit further using some new age brewing alchemy coupled with our old school. School, heavy-handed approach. Fans of this style will recognize the complex soft malt character that helps the balance uh, to help, that helps balance the generous hops addition in addition for supreme drinkability. A lot of jargon on there, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It how- like all beers in one. It sounded like I know. everybody. Everybody's going to hear that and say, "Yeah, some of this yeah. copy is kind of uh, some of it's good, some of it's not so good, but." Yeah, sometimes uh, they just throw in a little too many things <laughs> for sure. So, but I did, I did have one of their beers last week. The reason why I went back to this one, this was, this is on their list. Uh, I had their zombie, uh, something zombie. I forgot the uh, the full name of it, but it was actually I gave it like a, f- I think I gave it like a four, which is pretty uh, good because we're not IPA for, a, guys, for an so. IPA. Which yeah, that's excellent for an IPA because we don't we don't really care for IPAs a whole lot, but me neither. Wow, we are. I'm. I'm excited to meet you guys. And so, when you say <laughs> yeah. four, are you saying four out of five? Yes. Are you using the thirty-three bottles of beer beer no. scale thingy? <laughs> no, we're we're using. We are simply just making up a score. It's yeah. it's kind of like uh, whose line in is anyway. Yeah, like cool. you get points, but they don't really count. <laughs> Same kind of thing. So, all right. So five being doing, the best. Uh, yeah. yeah, five being the absolute best. So. So I am doing a black quad from Real Ale Brewing, Ooh, Real Ale beautiful. Brewing. Um, Ten and a half. Yeah, I'm right. doing a can. Of it. I found a can version, <laughs> which is like a tall can. So it's a little over a pint. Um, little bonus on Persuasion by the Pint today. But yeah, 10 and a half percent, 33 IBUs. I, I think maybe I've had this before. I can't remember. It's been a long time. So what is um, it? What, I can't even see. It's a... So once found only by the intrepid hunters of a brewer's cuts, Black Quad now deservedly finds its way into your into our year-round lineup. This ale was inspired by the most August of Abbey brews and is a mystery worth exploring. A bounty of dried fruit, subtle roastiness, and a surprisingly dry finish combined for an ale of delicious dark complexity. Mm-hmm. All of this is complemented by the spiciness and fruit character provided by our Belgian yeast strain. Join us in paying tribute to monast. Mon- I can never say that word. Monastic <laughs> brewing tradition. I always want to throw an extra syllable in that word. Monastic. Monastic. So this is right up your uh, alley, Isaiah. If you're it, it sure is. So I actually love that particular beer. I think you made a great choice. Yeah. And we did a uh, we did a stout and Belgians tasting one time at my house where we got about sixteen seventeen that we could find, you know, it's hard to find sometimes we just found yeah. all the ones we could. Um, and that one was, I think it was either third or fourth place. And uh-huh. I discovered after moving here to Austin, that's uh, that's over there South by Johnson city. That's probably 45 minutes to an hour from where you live right now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's some tops breweries. Another good one that has a lot of good stouts. Um, they have the full grown series, like full grown man, full grown man child, full grown Saint Nick for, at Christmas, full grown jack o' lantern at Halloween. Have you had those? I never heard of them. No. Oh my God. They're so them. good. They have them at HEB. No, they don't. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Tupps Brewery. Anything yeah. about Tupps Brewery, they, they carry. Now they're, they're, they tend to be seasonal, so they're probably not there right now, but. Well, our, our uh, Georgetown just, HEB is about 25 years behind. It's got <laughs> basically Bud Light, Corona, and nothing. So. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Lakeway's got one of the fancy new flagship stores. Right. So, so, all right, well, let's uh, give it a quick rating. We'll, uh, we'll do a cheers, then we'll rate them real quick, and then we'll jump into the, to the, uh, the more boring part of the show. <laughs> cheers. All right, cheers. To Belgium. <laughs> yeah. So how long did you live in Belgium? Just three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. yeah I we visited there. I, I, you know, I lived in Europe for a couple of years 
uh, Isaiah, and uh, that was one of the spots that I visited. Uh, mm-hmm. Brussels. I spent some few days in Brussels. So, were you, were you stationed over there, Jonathan? Yep. Military. Yeah. I didn't know that. Germany. Germany. Yeah. yeah. Which base? Uh, so I was at a couple of bases. The first one I went to was shut down. It was in uh, Bad Hurst, Bad Hurstfield, over near okay. um, uh, Fulda Air Force Base there. And then it was um, it was back in the mid to late nineties when they were shutting down some uh, some of our units, and that one got shut down. Then I went over to another town called Hanau. So, but it was all in the Eleventh uh, Armored Cavalry Regiment. Oh, oh, no way. Yeah. So my, my, uh, I was born in Wiesbaden, uh, base ah, uh, yeah. hospital. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Small world, isn't it? A lot of army. <laughs> on Crazy. Yeah. So were yeah. you ever in the service, Isaiah? You know, I never was. I actually, um, I mean, you were because your dad was, but yeah, yeah, exactly. All <laughs> yeah. Over. yeah. You lived that life, man. What are you uh, talking man, about? I was, I was educated for it too, but I have some uh, health stuff that I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to get in. And so I ended up doing strategic intelligence, which was like the civilian side of it. Yeah. I did that for a bit before getting to startups cool. and everything. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a picture right there, somewhere right back there in that picture. There it is. So hard to do on StreamYard to yeah. get the camera right. <laughs> that's still, um, that's me and Colin Powell from when I was in the army. So no kidding. That's yeah, awesome. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So my dad did 26 years, uh, army, oh, wow. and then, uh, cool. but we, we, you know, we did a lot of joint assignments. So half, half that time was on air force bases. Yeah. That's cool. Was I, he an NCO officer or he was an officer? officer. Yeah. Okay. Um, he awesome. retired a light colonel, um, and, uh, went to Iraq twice, both wars. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, did Intel. Wow. Very cool. Runs into all. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Runs in the blood, cool. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, let's give these a rating. I'm going to, I'll, right. I'll, um, you don't really have one to rate, but <clears throat> I'll rate my coffee. Know. I mean, yeah, coffee, coffee. coffee has a taste profile, you know? Yes, for sure. So on the scale of one to five pints, you can use decimals. Um, what do you give that? particular coffee? Um, this particular. So I, I've been trying all the cold brews that all the grocery stores serve. And I make my own and I tried one through e-commerce. So this is a uh, one that uh, I just picked up at, uh, I think it was sprouts and it's one of those that you have to add water to. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I got it right, but I followed their directions exactly. And I'm going to say it's like extremely flat, uh, completely lacks the <laughs> coffee direction of old people coffee and mm-hmm. completely lacks the like, tea and nutty profile of um <laughs> millennial coffee and it's just it's just flat so i'm gonna go two uh pints nice. it's not it doesn't taste bad but it's not something i'll get again cool all right make sure we know what name that is so i don't buy that but my, my daughter's in the cobra i'm not i'm still a hot coffee guy so yeah um, unless i'm out and it's 105 degrees like it is right now um jonathan what do you rate yours uh, this one, up. I'm going to go a three, two on this one. Okay. Not as good as the, so I remember the, uh, the one that I had last week was a zombie dust by, uh, three Floyds. Okay. And, um, yeah, this one, this one's not as good. It's a little, little more sour. So, uh, but it's not horrible. So I'm going to give it a, a three, two is a fair rating on this one. All right. Well, I'm going to give mine a four point mm. eight. Like it's, it's right up there. It's just a little, still got a little, you know, it's gets a little syrupy at this range, but it's, um, <clears throat> which I haven't eaten much today. So maybe that's why we'll see. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I think it's really good. Um, I do remember tasting something very similar. So I probably had this before. Um, but it, it, it tastes almost like an Imperial stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got that same taste as an Imperial stout, which is interesting that it's an ale. So but I guess quadruple brood or whatever quad stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd give it a 4.8. All right. Well, very let's cool. Talk, let's, uh, let's talk brain science. Yeah. All right. All right. So before we get in Isaiah, why don't you share a little bit about your background? You know, you, you shared a little bit about, you know, obviously your father being in the military, you growing up a uh, military guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you get into, um, how'd you get into this business? I mean, uh, yeah, um, yeah, the persuasion stuff, real interesting. So, 
we were homeschooled because we grew up all over the world. Sure. And uh, my mom had had that life too. She was a military kid. And it was like, I'm going to homeschool because moving schools all the time sucks. Yeah. Um, and so we had a really, uh, like, honestly, just a privileged education, you know, mm-hmm. go to Europe, study it and go to it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, so when I was in high school, uh, we heard this thing called speech and debate and decided to get into it. And uh, I turned out to be pretty good at it and have some good coaches and stuff and ended up on a scholarship for that. And then I did that through college on four or five debate teams, led the debate teams uh, and started. uh, So, so I tell a lot of people um, I do tech entrepreneur stuff by day and I'm a debate coach by night. I've done it for about 15 years. Um, Yeah. And so most people hear that though. And they're like, you know, Ixnay debate. That sounds terrible. You're going to persuade me. You're going to force me to do things I don't want to do. And I follow more the Aristotelian classical rhetoric view of that, um, which over the last about 10 years, I've gotten to compliment with brain science in the idea that all persuasion is self-persuasion. And so my job is to um, create the clarity that I can and help you decide uh, what to do. But I'm I'm never going to push somebody through a door. The best I'm going to do is open that door in front of them. And I think um, the best salespeople operate that way. The best leaders operate that way. And I think by and large, uh, most good communication happens that way. And it's, it's grounded in how humans are wired and what well-being means for them. So it's been one of my passions to sort of integrate those two worlds because a lot of the things that made me good at work, I didn't know what they were. I just sort of had a knack for them. But as time has gone on, it's it's, it's putting words and concepts to things that I basically picked up doing speech and debate where it's a very unique experience. And so um, a lot of students coming out of that don't know how to articulate to somebody in business that they have a skill that's desired, but you ask any CEO out there and there's a lot of magazines and articles and studies on this. They'll say uh, people are lacking adaptiveness, communication, and um, the ability to listen well and, you know, basic critical thinking. And uh, it's because those are hard to put words to. And everybody who says they're persuasive sometimes aren't and communication gets a bad rap. Communication coach is a terrible rap. Sales gets a bad rap, but the best of the best inside of those, they're doing it without you knowing and they're doing it without the name of it. Right. And so I take funny things like you get the topic six times at a tournament and you have 15 minutes to come up with a case before you're going to go argue about it for an hour nobody knows what to call that. And the technical term is parliamentary debate prep, right? That doesn't mean anything, but I've learned how to translate some of that and say, I have um, prepared with a team under pressure hundreds and hundreds of times and succeeded. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden any executive in the world is like, really you prepared with the team under pressure. Yeah. yeah. And there's all these like skills. So, so I've like really tried to obsess over making one-to-one connections. And that culminated in a book I wrote called upside down debate. Uh, which is about how uh, to find the deeper why of persuasion. And I've had the privilege to work with um, CEOs, professional athletes, sales teams, uh, and emergent professionals now kind of bridging that debate by night stuff. It still is debate to me, but it's practical, um, you know, skills to them. That's so true. What you said about the people that are the best, you don't know what's happening. Yeah. When they do it, whether it's a guy selling cars at the local Ford dealership, who's just mastered it or, you know, somebody doing a fortune 10 merger deal, whatever, like it doesn't matter. That's right. Or just copy on the internet. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good insight. And I think it's having taught some people copy and things like that. It all, when you're teaching it, it always sounds so obvious, like to the, to the students. And it's like, Oh, this would never work Yeah, when you're just talking about it. Right. But if you use it in conversation, it always works. That's like, right. If you use it right. I've, I've uh, latched on a phrase that really helps me with that, which is these skills are more caught than taught. Yes. And so the way to learn them is not to learn them out of whiteboard, but instead, all right, Let's have, I actually just did this today. I was just with a, a small team and I said, okay, tell me about your next two upcoming sales calls and let's role play them. And I'm mm-hmm. going to nudge you. I'm going to take your seat. You'll take my seat. We'll go back and forth. But 
learning communication happens in the context of doing it uh, instead of just like translating it, I think. Yeah. One of my first copy chief or maybe my first copy chief, he told me copy is basically like learning a second language Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have to keep using it to stay fluent. And I think that's true for pretty much all sales persuasion, yeah. you know, anything in that realm. Right. It's very much like a, if you're not immersed in it, you're going to start to lose some of the little nuance that makes you sound fluent. Right. Okay, where did you have a copy chief? I've never heard of one. <laughs> a copy chief? Oh, yeah. You, if you're a professional copywriter, you probably have a copy chief somewhere in the. In, no kidding. In the in the yeah. So that's a that's a role. It's, it'd be like a sales manager. Yeah. But just for copywriters. So yeah, I don't I don't think uh, in my standard sub fifty person company anybody <laughs> ever uh, has that role. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> unless, unless they're a direct response based company or something like that. Yeah, so, right. which is, which is where I was. So okay, as a it. freelancer, I don't have a copy chief. Um, you know, but yeah, when I was on teams, there was definitely a copy chief. So, mm-hmm. so what All are right. some of the companies you work with, uh, organizations, you work with their sales teams or how do you, uh, you know, you know, who exactly are you working with in your business? Yeah. Um, so, Aristotle said that rhetoric is the great subjectless subject. Yeah. And I found that to be really true. And I think, um, Toastmasters who I have a extremely low reputation of, by the way, uh, <laughs> or opinion of, um, I think it's chromatic, but, uh, even they have like leadership plus communication. You have to do both just to yeah. be certified or whatever. Right. And it's because the same skills cross apply everywhere. And so, I do a a special amount of work with sales teams and with product design teams. Mm. So it's the same principles, right? So uh, uh, how does someone experience your product? How do you earn trust with them is very similar to how do you first contact them and build a relationship with them? But the medium is completely different. Well, leadership the same way. Uh, HR is the same way. New employee, long time, these problems, those problems, you know, the, the similar tool set of discovery, arrangement, style, delivery uh, seems to fit in all those contexts. So very hard to put it into a resume or a box. Sure. I find. And uh, much like what you said, that the other principle, my mentor has really helped me with this um, is I've sort of just given up on explaining and we go with this idea of empathy and action helps people see, Oh, I need some of that. Mm-hmm. But when you try to describe what that was very difficult to put into yeah. words. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, yeah. All this stuff is, can be very fuzzy. There's principles more than clear. I mean, everybody tries to put formulas around this stuff, but that yeah. seldom works at least certainly doesn't work for very long if it does work. Right. Well, and cause we're not all the same. Right. Yeah, and so right. we teach somebody to communicate and that's part of the Toastmasters problem is there's a template and it's mm-hmm. over the top perfect right never says uh or um Mm -hmm. and very distant actually as a human but your intention there is to impress and if i bring the intention to impress into any given moment that's how i'm going to be judged and they do have a good job of helping you be completely impressive and unassailable but i don't want to take that intention to most of the places that i need to communicate sure as a leader or uh, you know, connector of value. And it doesn't freaking matter if I say, uh, or, um, or <laughs> whatever, if the intention I'm trying to convey is unrelated to that. And they're not going to walk away and say, wow, he was a really poor speaker because they weren't looking at how I'm speaking as the primary right. thing. Right. It's funny. You mentioned that it reminds me, I don't know if you know who Dan Kennedy is. Mm-mm. Okay. So we, Sean and I talk about him a lot, but I listened to some of his, recordings and the guy's always using, um, um, you know, Sean, you probably noticed this, right? Yeah. Well, he's a former stutterer too. So like, yeah. I think some of that still comes out even though he's overcome it. Absolutely. Yeah. But he'll, yeah, hit long, long he's an old gruff guy. Like, you know, sounds like your grandfather yeah. just like puttering around in the garden or something. It's but like, you, um, uh, yep. <laughs> but I mean, he, he speaks it, you know, all, I mean, he's, that's what he's done for most of his life. And, yeah. you know, going through a Toastmasters, they would have probably said, well, oh, you got to eliminate that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so yes. Isaiah, you work at, I, I saw something that's, you work with Fortune, the top 
mm-hmm. fortune companies, fortune 50, fortune 10. Um, are you seeing a shift even there from this, like gotta be perfect to more of the vulnerability yeah. authenticity? Are you seeing that at, at those levels as well? Cause I know it's, it's a lot in entrepreneurial type spaces and things like that, or it's, yeah, I'll tell you where I'm seeing it. And you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not in a position to even know market trends, but in the places that I go deep, I'm seeing that the sales cycles are moving from predictable to extremely diverse and complex. And you don't know who you're going to be building a business case with, you know, a lot of the tech companies don't see this as much because they build one little widget of a software that sells to just one person and you kind of get reliable on a repeatable model. But a lot of the, the higher level businesses I interact with, they're having to train people to listen for clues and be able to go this way or that way or the other way. And so um, we're spending time with folks who need to stop going through slide presentations and have a slideshow be random access memory. And how do you work with an executive to go to slide four when you need to and seven when you need to or never use it at all if you need to. That kind of higher level thinking, we're seeing a lot of demand for that, uh, at least at the places I'm working with. Right. Yeah. Oh, I can't tell you how many. Mm. I used to do in-home sales for financial services and you know, you got had a pitch deck, had to go through every page whether the person wanted it or not. Yes. You know, and sometimes like that's good because they'll, they'll try to get you to speed up and skip important things, but yeah. Yeah. Having that knowledge and that intuition and that understanding of what you can and can't skip is, uh, I think, really important. Yeah. I was in a situation last week with a product development manager. And so I was in a sales, like a a, a presentation situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I invited a product development manager in to give the presentation. Obviously he's doing a PowerPoint but, you know, the guy was not good at reading the tea leaves of the, right. you know, of the environment. So this is a great, this is a great example. And the president of the company who we were meeting with, um, I could just sense automatically about three minutes into the meeting that yeah. he was getting, <laughs> he was getting bored. Yeah, exactly. He was really getting bored. So yeah. I started interjecting, you know, to help this guy along because he was, he was doing the canned uh, you know, presentation. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is not, I could already automatically see this was not going well. So I tried to, I started interjecting a little humor into it and trying to ask questions, which this guy was not, you know, and you know, so I basically started taking over the whole presentation, you know, from this guy, which was not my intention, but he, it was so bad that I literally had to pull the reins back from this guy and say, okay, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, but not, but not just, you know, not calling him out, but more or yeah. less unintentionally, you know, inadvertently say, I'm going to, I'm going to take over from here. Yeah, this, it, is, this is going I south. I think it's, it's so much harder though, to go into a moment or a conversation <laughs> yeah, and trust yourself to say what's really going on here. Right. And then deliver just that. And so the safe fallback is always, you know, walk through the thing that you brought because at least you can say you did the right thing or whatever. Right. And demos are to me, one of the most beautiful examples of that because people make them into product walkthroughs. Sure. And the best way to do a demo call is probably uh, much more like um, what are you most excited to see today? Sure. This, let me show you how to do that. Mm -hmm. Let's go over here. Yeah. What do you see? What difference would that make for you? Yep. What else do you want to see? Right. Nothing. Cool. (laughs) We're done. Thanks. Let's keep going. Like they don't need to see everything in the settings page. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It it is interesting. I've been on some of those demos and you can tell they're just walking through a script, just like a telemarketer. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't really care about that part. Like, can we move on? He's like, yeah, well, let me, we'll we'll cover that in just a second. You know, you can tell they're just going down their script. But how much of our working lives is, is trained apathy where caring like we just turn off that we would notice if somebody cares yeah or that we would care right we just right. turn all that off yeah and get through it well because my sales manager is going to call me out when he watches the replay of the call and i didn't go through all the steps right, <laughs> That's right. so 
Uh, and if you missed just stuff. one, that's the reason why you didn't get the sale, right? That's I mean. the reason you didn't get the sale. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because he knows because he made all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he's a really good salesperson, he'd still be in sales and not sales manager. That is 100% true all the time. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. It's always the middle guys in sales that get promoted because the top salesmen are making too much money. They don't want that deal. So um, we talked about, you know, you talked about like um, actually doing is the best way. So we've, one thing we talked about before the show and in our correspondence before this was um, letting you do some email demos to kind of talk, give us something to look at while we're talking through. So are you up for that? Do you want to give any context around that? Uh, let's do it. I, I guess the context I'd expect is relevant is probably, first of all, I haven't looked at these yet and I think that was all intentional, right? I like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and second of all, I kind of expect your all's emails, given that you've had a copy chief, they're probably going to be better than a lot of the emails uh, I've seen. I, I, I remember doing a presentation on SlideShare. I called it, um, what did I call it? Email fails, B2B email fails. And just like, getting the last 10 that I'd received and marking them up and grading yeah. them or whatever. Yeah. I'm guessing you're already probably at B plus to a minus territory, but we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Yeah. Let's take a look. Um, I, I may or may not have written these, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> some I did, some I did not. Right. Let's go to, all right. So I see you are the anonymous Wolverine, I guess, Isaiah in the, in the That's document, how I roll, you know, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, so just, I gave you some context and that's about it. So this was, um, somebody who has an existing list They're in the financial services industry. They do money management okay. and they want to send out to their list. So this is more B2C. Um, okay. they want to send out a, an invite to their list for a webinar. It's come, <clears throat> it's going to be a live webinar. So this is your first email. Super. Okay. Um, I love, first of all, I want to just highlight everything you just said is the first question that's always hard to ask. Um, because people just look at emails, which is who's it for? And if you don't know who it's for, it's extremely challenging to write a good email. So, um, this is B2C and Mm -hmm. it's for the people that are on the other end of financial services. And then, uh, the one other question is what's the goal of this email? Get them to register for the webinar. Cool. Okay. I can see that in clear call to action. Click here to reserve your seat in the webinar. So, um, all right, let me, let me go through it and, uh, take a look. And is this purely cold or do they already have a relationship? It varies from, so it's a, it's a house list. So it's varies from people who were added in the last month to people who have been on for five or six years. And if they were added in the last month, what, uh, I saw like a video series. So they've gotten some context around what the guy does. Uh, and, and what might that have been like? I'm just curious because I'm seeing this sort of fear based subject line. If that was how they were onboarded. Um, similar. Yes. It's more about like the markets. You're, you're not getting what you want from the stock market. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Remember that line from Jaws, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water? No. Um, <laughs> it's Thursday, July 28th. The average age of this list is over 50. Perfect. Okay. I, I've never <laughs> there you go. Qualify. That helps. helps. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've never seen Jaws. Um, <laughs> outing myself as a millennial. Right 79, so. I believe you would have to go back to. So if, um, while you're looking at that, Isaiah, um, for those people who are listening on the podcast, there is a video version of this on YouTube Mm -hmm. that you can see, uh, what's going on. So what we started with was subject live market update, just when you thought it was safe, dot, dot, dot. Okay. I've got some thoughts for you. Cool. Um, Feel free to edit this doc. I made this doc just for this. So you oh, can, I, can, I can edit this in. Okay, great. Yep. So what I'm seeing is, uh, first of all, I like the structure of it goes problem and then give. Um, and then I'm kind of missing that benefit side. So this is the construction of a value proposition. I'm going to write it out here real quick and then delete it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a value mm-hmm. proposition is often constructed by going problem statement, insight, benefit. 
And in communication terms, who's doing it? This is them, you, them. A nice little sandwich, uh, fits story idea of you're, you're the wizard, you're bringing the um, power up token, the lightsaber they need to go do the thing. And it's a very motivational structure for creating value that can you can use in emails really easily. And so when I look through that lens, I see um, here's sort of the problem statement is it's general problem statement of fear. Right. Are you, you know, should you get right. back? The market's crazy right? right now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know that it, I think it's good enough for anybody. The criteria for is your problem state good enough is would somebody who reads it go, that's right. And y'all remember Chris Voss in uh, what is it? Never split the difference. Like, oh, the difference, love that. Book. That's right, and that's true, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who who feels on some gut level like yeah, and leans in. That's when you know you've nailed your problem statement. Okay, I think this this satisfies that. But the insight part. This is where I feel the email is weakest, and I noticed down in the PS is the first time that any sort of data appeared that showed there would be something insightful or lent to that. So that doesn't necessarily mean the email is wrong because maybe what they already know about whoever this RC person is mm-hmm. already has qualified as he's insightful or whatever. I, however, would probably just based on what I know, recommend right here to land some sort of insight. So, um, might pull up the PS information or might put something else right here to say, um, uh, RC watched the four plus 20% rallies after the 2000 market crash and wants you to know how to interpret, uh, similar data. Okay. I think that sounds insightful and enticing. Like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I need to be capable of that. I need to be equipped with that. Yeah. You could probably even finish that with like, instead of how to interpret similar data, you could say, and how to apply that to today's market. Yep. It's a little more simple. Beautiful. Yep. And so now I feel like, oh, there's a promise to this webinar, which is that I will receive the lightsaber of this power up which generates motivation. Yep. Um, Love the idea of live and at the end, I'd move that down to the PS at this point. Okay. And this is okay, but I'd, I'd tend to replace it with something highly beneficial, right? Which is the emotional level, new version of them, which is Mm. quite here to know, uh, blah, blah, blah. You'll gain confidence in knowing what to do in the upcoming uh, financial froth or whatever. Don't want to miss this call. Oh, that's Uh, good. I like that. So a little future pacing. Mm -hmm. You'll gain. Yeah. What you'll gain. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they we're, we're trying to get them to imagine and here on a brain science level, we're trying to go from sort of this rational side of calculation to the more emotional side of literally imagining themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. And if we can right. get that imagination uh, side activated, now we've activated the more motivational center, um, which is driven from visualization and emotion. Right. Very nice. Great. Great point. Um, I'm not going to quibble too much about the PSs. I think yeah. this is pretty good. All right. Let's, uh, let's move Ooh, on. I'd to, like to go back to the subject though. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Why should somebody read this email? Um, it's all would be if they're just concerned about the market. Like they're, they're not, they're unclear about what's going on in the market or concerned about what's going on in the market. Same reason people watch CNBC, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. What do you see? That's that I see it not answering that question. And that's one of my favorite ways to craft a subject line okay. to just because the goal of the subject is to get people to click. Right. And then the goal of the email is to get them to take whatever the action is. Right. And I could see this being like, it feels a little spammy, but it also probably speaks to the 50 year old plus a little more 
I just wonder if we could improve that just a little bit of um, uh, more like instead of starting with go ahead well eliminating that live market update yep yeah I mean that's totally that's that's not interesting to me I mean I'm trying to put myself in their shoes that wouldn't be interesting to me but just when you thought that there's a curiosity statement there, just when you thought it was safe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. It is too long. Um, yeah, but you could bump that down to preview text. Mm-hmm. Just in time. Uh, brief on. Something like that, that direction of answer that why. You want to go to the next one? Yeah. How's this landing for you? I like it. Okay, follow up after webinar. Okay, so your uh, 15 emails in means they have also received another 15. So this is a different sequence. This was, um, so this was cold traffic. Mm -hmm. Um, Same guy, same um, business, but a totally different. This was a cold funnel. They came in, watched a four video series that did had pretty good watch rates. Mm-hmm. But now we're 15 emails in with a follow-up sequence and nobody's really, or very few people are booking a call. Mm-hmm. And that's the next step is to book a call and talk about your portfolio and all that stuff. Okay. And it's, so it's, this is just, there's it, been a lot of emails around this, yeah. obviously. So this is kind of. It's still B2C, up. right? This is like yeah. direct, same, same type of customer. Yep. Okay, great. So here's how I especially like to think of the no booked call is if it's at all possible, I love to change my ask. And that's because what I've found is that many times people don't book a call because they feel this, like, I don't want to book a call. I don't Mm -hmm. like booking calls. I don't like being sold to. I'm afraid I'll be manipulated, blah, blah, blah. Right. And sometimes it's best to get that one personal email exchange. And the very next thing, you know, they're asking for a call. Mm -hmm. So I might suggest just from a strategic perspective here, can we ask a question instead? That's a lot more along the lines of um, what can I tell you about this or what, uh, um, what's holding you back kinds of things where they can reply to that and say, I don't have time or I'm worried about X or something like that. Am I making sense? Yeah. And I've got an idea actually just from what you said on that. Yeah. So one of the things he does when he gets on a call with people is he looks at their, their current ticker symbols or whatever they own and he compares it to his investment and shows the difference in gains. Um, I don't want to give away too much of his secret okay. sauce, but, yep. um, so he could instead ask for, you know, obviously you don't want to ask, you know, send me a picture of your statement or anything, but you could say reply back with your top three holdings, just the ticker symbol. And I'll do a, I'll give you a free, you know, analysis or something like that. Instead of asking them to get on the phone. Cause that, that has been a huge hurdle. And I know that's true for a lot of high ticket, you know, coaches and consultants and who sell on the phone. So any of those kind of people listening right now, like that's a big, big challenge. That's the sticking point in any high ticket type funnel is how do you get somebody on the phone? So I think this is very sure relevant to B2C or even B2B for that matter. Okay. I'm making a very bold claim in the subject. Okay. I can prove your portfolio needs. And then I don't think optimization is the right word for this audience. Uh, um, I see what you're saying though. Yeah. I can prove then, your portfolio is underperforming even is probably the clearest. Yeah. Really like the, um, the possibility of a, oof, I just misinterpreted what that button was. Um, there we go. Uh, some kind of image right there would be nice of like somebody's versus mine, if that's really there. And then I'd say, um, what are three 
uh, your top three stock holdings. Yep. I'll, I promise to reply with a real thought. Um, yeah. He could even do like a, a video personalized video with what's those video things. Boom. Or can't remember the name of them, but we can do in an email video response. Mm-hmm. That'd be really powerful. Realtors use those. I can't remember what it's called. Boom or something like that. Okay, I'm making this in the subject line. Super easy. Like kind of like when, when somebody hasn't replied to a survey and you're emailing them for the 15th time and you're like, this actually took me 47 seconds to fill out, please. Will you just fill it out right along yeah. those lines? Okay. So I'm asking for three words to prove something to you. That's about the lowest ask you could ever have. I like that. I'd, I'd strip the book your call thing. Cause that's the next thing you're going to hit them with. Yeah. I was gonna say, you could just change that to like, you could restate the same thing. Reply with your top three. Yeah. You got nothing to lose, but yeah, go ahead and book and go ahead and reply with your top three or whatever. For those people that skip to the PS I don't know if anybody actually does that anymore. That used to be a thing in direct response. Yeah. People read the, the yeah, PS first. I think that was true in mail. I don't know if that's as true in email or not. Yeah. I don't, I don't know my email trends too good. Um, yeah. I, I do know uh, I'm having good results with things like this. And then the, the one thing I'd so, say to anybody listening out there is that if they reply the worst thing you can do when you're doing an email like this, where you've asked a question to entice a reply is to say, let's get on a call. Instead, yes. you want to answer that next diagram thing and then say, what else? That's the magic phrase. If you've got somebody who saw that they could trust you to ask one thing, usually they start asking you more and they'll say, well, well, how did it work at this? Or mm-hmm. uh, can you send me a case study of that? And the second they ask a question that's, more complicated than your three or five sentence email. You say that and you literally type out something like, um, I love to answer that in an email. Um, it's more complicated because of all the, if thens I need to customize to you. Can we get a uh, seven to 15 minutes together? Text me or use my calendar or whatever. Right. And nice. let's go. So tell us real quick. Um, I know you've got short time left and this is yeah. good stuff, but tell us in this one, what's kind of going on brain science wise with these, these changes of the, instead of asking for this big thing and the small thing. Okay. Um, so what you're doing is your, uh, trust is built around a succession of exchanges that tell me I can safely go deeper with you. Okay. Um, so when uh, you think of it like a trust bank, you're either building or you're taking away. And a question like, will you speak to me for 15 minutes without a strong why that you've built up? By and large, you're removing, you're, you're asking for a withdrawal. What right. have you built? Now in this sequence, the main assumption is that because of the content marketing that RC is doing, that enough trust has been built up to go ahead and make that withdrawal and ask for that 15 emails, 15 minutes. But Which obviously has not actually happened because that's, they're not booking the calls. Hasn't happened. So yeah. what can we do to make a smaller ask to start the exchange and prove that we're worth dealing with? And I'll, I'll give you like the easiest example is if I show up to a sales call and I'm like, uh, really good to meet you today. Tell me about your kids. You know, somebody's like trying to force connection with somebody they don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge turnoff, but if it's our seventh call yeah, and we already have a trusted relationship, it's not. And so that's back to how we started this call talking about of like, you can't give them somebody one way to do it. It's not the words that you say, because you have to be watching for the trust that you have. Yeah. And if I say, Hey, my name's Isaiah, what's your name? And you say, <clears throat> my name's Sean. Um, how, uh, where did you go to school? And I say, and I talk for 15 minutes probably did that on this call. If I talk for 15 minutes, then you're very unlikely to ask me another question because you don't want another 15 minute answer 
to a 90 second answer. Instead, we want to hand off. And so my mentor and I talk about this in the sales process as one point per turn and hand off, hand off, hand off, hand off. And in sales uh, role play, we'll even slow it down. We call it executive chess, where you're only allowed one sentence, period. You can have infinite think time, but one sentence. Then the other person says one sentence. And his wow, email cool. is applying that kind of principle because a lot of times you'll get a one sentence reply. Like, what if somebody says, I don't believe you? Mm-hmm. That's a one sentence reply. We can write an essay back or we can say, what's not credible? Mm-hmm. And they can say, I think you're making up numbers. And then you can say, this is my real portfolio screenshot. Screenshot. <laughs> yeah. And, right. And you're just like, whatever it is, you just go back and forth one at a time. You're that's building really- trust. Yeah, that's really powerful. That that idea of executive chess, I'm I'm definitely stealing that one. So cool. uh, that's good. Well, I would love to go through the thirty now, but we've got two I'm, minutes. I'm happy to take a, qu- a quick look if you want to. All right. Well, you you tell me when your time is up, and obviously, okay. want to let you plug whatever you want to plug. That's good. I'm having um, so much fun. Um, so want to meet up this morning. So this one is to a group of internet marketers. Yeah. Different, and, different offering service, et cetera. Um, this is, so I wrote the first two. I did not write this one. Okay. This one came in my email box this morning. So I thought nice. I'd use it. Oh, beautiful. And I took the name out so you wouldn't know who it is. Thanks. Unless you're on the list and you're been getting these emails. I'm on a regular basis. <laughs> um, He'll know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's most, as far as I know, it's mostly internet marketers. A lot of them have been in and out of his world for a long time. So, and I have not bought anything in a long time. So I'm on that yeah. side of the list. Okay. You're on that side of the list. So, I really loathe the ask for time. Yes. That was, I automatically thought about that when I saw that. It's like, you're, you're, well, I can tell you that I had to pull, I had to pull this out of the trash to show it to you. So <laughs> that yeah, says I, something right there. And yeah. it's, it's back to what we said about the ask for the meeting, right? Anybody who wants my time, time is our most precious asset right now. Yeah. And we have to be looking at ways to give people time back and looking at ways to communicate that don't ask for time until I'm willing to speak for my own time. Right. And so I would just say, based on what I'm seeing a a thousand percent better email would be, um, uh, I've, what about getting more specific? Like, cause I know I've used the, you know, and, and more or less mine's in B2B marketing, but I've asked for specific, like, I, I hate using like, do you have time? Because time could be whatever, you know, you, yeah. you know, and people's, I mean, that's like you said, that's a valuable asset, but do you have 10 minutes? Like 10 minutes is finite. I don't, I don't have 10 minutes anymore either too, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> who, who does? Right. I like where you're going so far though, I say. Yeah. So, so far you've written, have some email templates that got, um, yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to say some like good eye popping result doesn't have to be crazy though. Like 35% open rates and dollar 500 K last month. I can't yeah. uh, do that in a subject line. So I'm going to go like that. Like this is real time. It's working in today's internet, etc. Everything else about this. I really like, don't like because it's raw and we all like, we're living in a world that's actually used to being manipulated now. So what do you, what do you mean by raw? If you bring 524 K from a million people or 10 million people, because there are two radically different numbers to bring in from depending on how many people you sent that to. Right. You're saying when you say raw, you're saying there's not enough context. Yeah. There's not a, it's not a percentage number of like, we got more because of the email than the previous email being used. Got it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And so I would say, um, um, I like if it just started like this, uh, with my team and wanted to invite you 
listen in if you wish. Um, we blew up the previous results, uh, the previous month's revenue by 27%. I don't know, whatever it is. Right. Um, it's in a couple hours impromptu. I know. Um, stop trying to persuade me and just say this part, right? The second you say, I promise this will be good. I'm like, I didn't know I was worried that it wouldn't be, but now that you're saying that, (laughs) right? So I'd say something like this is a bit better. So it's like, never trust a guy who says, trust me, right? Exactly. Right. (laughs) It's like, uh, uh, I remember I used to work for this guy, uh, at a school and he would give a tour of the school, the headmaster. And he would say, we are a very good school. That's his whole pitch. I'm like, that just defeated it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we're done here in the uh, in the email file. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. That's some good, um, some good uh, takeaways there that people can go back and listen to several times or go on YouTube and and check this out. So Isaiah, I know you've got another meeting um, scheduled. So how can people learn? Like, what's your number one? thing you would like people to take away and then how can they learn more about you? Okay. Here's the number one thing I'd like people to take away. I think that the vast majority of communication and sales skills that they encounter on a daily basis are broken copy machine repeats from people who don't know the true source of that tactic. And that tactic probably does work in the right context with the right audience by the right person. Yes. And it probably doesn't work and is manipulative everywhere else. And if you want to be free from that, you can be by saying, who is my audience? What do they need? How can I get that to them? And by and large, your work as unprofessional as it may be unguided by pros will probably be a thousand times better than copying some broken tactic that everybody else is using. Yeah. Yes. That's all. That's all, That's what I got. Who right, is my audience? Learn? What do they need? What was the last? Um, how can I deliver that to them? Yep. Bingo. That's Most value, important. right? It's value as a leader. It's value as yep. HR. It's value in sales. It's value in an email. Perfect. Right. Very good. All right. Well, Isaiah, how can people find out more about you? Um, yeah, go to my LinkedIn if you want to. But right now, the company I'm building is Scribe.ai, Scribe with a K. And we're speeding up justice. And I'm building a world-class team. Uh, so if you liked anything we talked about, well, we're trying to operationalize it as best we can in how we build our sales, marketing, product, and so on. And um, I love meeting new people and we're always recruiting. So you're going to be like, do you know who, have you seen the series Bull on CBS? No, I, I don't. So you're millennial, so you don't watch network TV. Yeah, I don't watch, no. I never had a TV. <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy, there's a series on CBS called Bull and okay. it's about a trial science guy. Mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of this, but I know it's nothing like it, but all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anything else you want to say about scribe? That's good enough. All right. Well, we've had a good time. I know you got to run, so we'll let you run off. Uh, yeah. I'd love to have you back sometime. But we, I feel like we've got more we could talk about for sure. I would love that. Oh Let's man. And, uh, we could go so deep into this. Yeah. We'll have to do it a little bit later <laughs> so you can bring a beer next yeah. time. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, I'll definitely do that. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks, Isaiah. Yeah. Now we'll wrap up the show. Thanks, John and John. Bye. All right. Yep. Thanks. Have a good one. That was so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to have him back when we can go a little deeper. So it was just getting good, and like he's got to go to another point. Now. <laughs> Man. So. And. You know, to our listeners, uh, you know, all of this makes some of this, you know, we're reviewing emails and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll have the video. Obviously, the video is always on the uh, show page so you can watch that. But you definitely want to watch. This is one that you definitely want to watch completely over it's yeah. persuasion by the pint. So yeah, you can do that on, on our site, persuasion by the pint.com. Yep. What, what is this episode? 270? 270. Right? Yes. Yep. yep. Um, or you can watch it on YouTube, but it's probably easier to find on the actual website. Yes. So, yep. um, you know, that's good. And, uh, two of those emails I'll, I wrote. And the third one for those that are curious was Frank Kern's email. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was like, 
So well, you told me um, you gave you, you gave me a heads up before. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't I seen a lot from him lately, and so is oh, this, if you're on his list, he's he's going crazy right now with this whole email stuff. So yeah, um, okay, he's he's kind of talking about emails. So it's interesting to see Isaiah critique an email when. Mm -hmm. Frank's talking about emails. So, <laughs> and it's interesting to get a younger perspective too. Sure. Yeah. Cause they do see the world differently Definitely. than millennials. So that's another example, like knowing who you're talking to, mm -hmm. like the way Gen X or boomer or is going to yeah. read an email is different than how right. a millennial or Gen Z is going to read it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you have to be aware of that when you're writing mm -hmm. and, yep. or just communicating in general. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I have to say my, my beer, uh, has settled in and it's gotten just better and better as I went. I could really, I could, yeah, it's just, you know, you know how some of these dark beers, they got to air a little bit. It's mm -hmm. like a, like a nice red wine or something. What well, so, would yeah, you give just, it now? Oh, I'd, I'd probably, man, I'd probably, I'd probably go ahead and put it up at that magical five number. Whoa. Yeah. Hey. I know. Right. Wow. So, uh, I'll, I do need some food now. Point. I will say I, I need some food now. <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. Can you remind me yeah, once more? I'm going to write this down. Yeah. So it's real ale brewing. That's the black quad quadruple. I'll shoot you a text too. Okay. And you got that really? one at ATB? This one. Yeah. It was at the, just the grocery store. So. Okay. Your fancy Kroger and Farragut might have it. I don't know. Maybe. We shall see. If not, total wine should definitely have it. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I was, I was taking some notes, man. I know. I saw you heads down there, like doing the deal. You don't do that when I talk. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know, man. He just he had some valid points. Subject yeah, line. No, his. I love that. Like when, you know, it's humbling too. Like when. Cause I, I, I've done enough copy chiefing too of other mm -hmm. people. Like you can always tear apart somebody's copy. Yeah. Like it's, it, there's a great author. I can't remember who it was. It said the greatest temptation in the world is not to edit another man's writing. Right. It's, it's like, that's so true. Um, and you don't know until you test it. Like we don't know. And, but I will actually take this, what he wrote and I'm going to give it to RC to test. No, that's great, man. I mean, and we'll see what it does. But I think it just watching him edit. And then I had that idea like, Oh, let's ask for three Absolutely. symbols. Cause that's what he does on the call. Yeah. That alone, that insight of going through it with him. And that's the power of like having somebody else work with you as opposed to being in your silo. Yep. Um, you know, and RC have talked back and forth. We never came up with that idea. So it's just, it's interesting how you can just be in these conversations and like listen, always to have somebody smarter than you. That's the key to yeah. success. And always never be the smartest guy in the room. Always bring yeah, somebody he was, in. <laughs> he was throwing out some big names and big words. So <laughs> obviously smarter than. Well, I could do When he said homeschool, typically that genre, you know, military guy, yeah. homeschooled, you start to put the pieces together. You know, he's, he's got a good, ed, probably a solid education on his head. Yeah. And, he said uh, something like the, like right off the bat, he said something about like the, some like Greek something like he gave this big long title to yeah. him. I, th I thought it was a dinosaur like that he was talking about. I was like, was that in Jurassic world? Cause I don't know what you're talking about. Big, long, fancy name. That's right. But no, it was really good stuff. And I would love to love to have him back and um, go a little deeper. Cause I think we just barely scraped the surface on yeah. like the brain science and that kind of stuff. Absolutely, so, man. Um, yeah. I'm going to take these and test them and, mm -hmm. and see what happens with these emails and, um, yeah, I think it'll be good. Excellent. So, all right, man, I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah. For, uh, for all of our listeners, uh, persuasion by the Again, I, we highly recommend that you watch this segment on video because of the, uh, examples given. And that is on episode 270, go to persuasion by the You can, uh, check out episode 270. We'll have the video on that. And uh, you can listen, you can watch the video, uh, some really good takeaways. And uh, we'll also put some links to, uh, that Isaiah mentioned. I'll have those links. What is it, Scribe? Yep, Scribe.ai, Scribe with a K, yeah. dot AI. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, to all, yeah, have a great weekend. Um, 
And uh, if you have questions, you can reach out to us over at persuasionbythepint at gmail.com or you can visit our Facebook group at Persuasion by the Pint. Yeah, just Persuasion by the Pint. <laughs> Facebook.com. <laughs> Facebook, yeah. yeah so have thing. a great, yeah. <laughs> have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. See ya. All right. Interesting guest. Mm-hmm.